Welcome to season four of Knowledge Cast by Ideals. We're excited about this season's guest, and you can learn more about our guest in this new season and previous seasons at jackwwilliams.com slash podcast. Did you know that Jack is an author too? You can learn more from Jack through his book called The Question, a guide to answering life's most important question as he shares his personal journey that began in 1993 to determine the values, principles, and beliefs that would guide all aspects of his life. You can learn more about the question on Jat's website too at jatwwilliams.com. Now let's listen to an all new episode of Knowledge Cast by Ideals. Welcome to our fourth season of Knowledge Cast. If you're a regular listener, we're certainly glad to have you back with us again. And if you are a first time listener, welcome. And we hope that you will enjoy today's podcast and will join us again next week. Uh, our guest today is uh, Mike Dean. Mike is a former Alabama football player who had the privilege of playing under the late Bear Bryant and later coached college football for 13 years at Alabama, Georgia Tech, and Rice. And after coaching, Mike worked eight years for the sports equipment company, Diversified Product, focusing most of his time working on the PGA Tour, um, kind of overseeing a uh, training trailer for the pro golfers to use. Uh, Mike finished his work career, spending 30 years in sales-related positions in the financial services and construction industries. Mike, really happy to have you on our podcast today. Thank you, Jack. Uh, I am uh, quite flattered that you would ask me to join this august group of people, and I'm uh, not sure <laughs> what made my qualifications there, but I'm very honored, and uh, our friendship, long-term friendship, is certainly something that's meaningful to me. Well, I first became aware of Mike in high school when we competed against each other his senior year. Unfortunately, they got the best of us that day, and as did several other teams that year. Uh, but we stayed in touch uh, after our college careers, and we're going to try to have to be careful to try to keep the train on the track here with his interview with Mike and his storytelling uh, talents. Now, for you younger listeners, uh, we're going to give you a sports history lesson today. We're going to be talking about a guy that uh, many of you aren't familiar with, Bear Bryant. And to put it in um, present day terms, he's the one that people say Nick Saban is almost like. So that's that's the stature of Bear Bryant. But Mike, you played three years under Coach Bryant as a defensive back. Tell us about that experience and what do you remember most about playing for Coach Bryant? Well, Jack, I did, obviously, uh, I'd like to say I'm glad you put he and Nick in the, uh, in the in the same kind of category. A lot of people put him in there, and they are very, very similar. Uh, my first impression when I walked on campus down there was the incredible discipline, attention to detail, and mental toughness. Uh, and, and again, I don't want to go through a whole series of coach speak because we're going to get on some some other things. But the three things that you that were very, very clear and the expectations there were very clear and very precise on time you know your assignments and you give great effort if you did those three things you didn't cross his path very much the peer pressure to perform every day every drill and every practice was enormous and again that was set by him and the the expectations were set by him well, you know, besides being one of the most successful coaches that ever coached in terms of number of wins, what are some things that he emphasized besides those three points that you just talked about 
um, that things that maybe might not be associated with Coach Bryant? That's a very a very good question, and I'm very glad you asked it. The um, uh, I'll never forget uh, again going back to the own time, knowing your assignment, and giving great effort. The first meeting we ever had, he came into the room winding his watch and said, "If you're ten minutes early for one of my meetings, you better be the last one there." That's a pretty impressive statement. That got you. That got your attention. Yes, it will. The next was an instruction to go home tonight and write your mother a letter and let her know you're here and you're safe and you're okay. You make your bed every day and have your room in order and that was checked daily. Early in the first year, we had a meeting and down on the floor, he had a table set up with a 12 place china, silver and crystal place setting. He said, I want you to know which fork to use when you go into a restaurant. He said, when I went into the Waldorf Astoria the first time, I had no idea which fork to use. I don't want that ever happen to you. <laughs> and for the next five years, this is pretty hard to believe. For the next five years or, that I was there, three as a player, four as a coach, but every single night at the evening meal for what was called the training table and that was a whole day basically it was the top 44 traveling team every night was a white tablecloth served dinner meal every night and that is something that you kind of took for granted when you're a kid but you look back and you say darn <laughs> Yeah, what he put in place was something that was we were treated very, very well. Those are little details that he did that served us and told us we were special and that he expected things of us. And, and, and we came to expect it of him. We had a we had a great training table at Georgia Tech, but we didn't have that. Uh, we, we didn't have the linen. Uh, yeah, having a few food fights as well, which I'm sure would not have been permitted over his place. Uh, you got a you got a particular uh, story about Coach Bryant, you know, during a game or during the practice um, that kind of stick out with you. Well, I think one of the things that that people are surprised is that. Coach Bryant never raised his voice above the, the decibel that you and I are talking right now at the halftime of any game we ever played. That is surprising to some people. He always came into the room. I'll never forget we came. We were two touchdowns behind, I think, at LSU one time. He came in clapping his hands and basically said, hey, they, listen, we got them right where we want them. <laughs> They're all fired up. They don't think I, I mean, he was supremely confident in himself supremely confident in us. We got up on the board and said, here's what they're doing. Here's what we prepared for. We'll eliminate this. We, everything, we got them right where we want them. Go, you know, go finish it. And it was in a, in conversational tones, just like this. I, I, that struck me as unbelievably strange. Another thing that he did, his loyalty to us, Jack, was, was again, going back, and I'm going to get to a team thing uh, as players, as a, as a player now and former player, and I played 50 years ago, I still have the opportunity to buy two football tickets to every game Alabama plays to include national championship games. 
simply wow, because I did not know that. Yeah, I, I did know. not know very, that. Very few people do. We had an eight. There's an A club room in the stadium down there that is tremendous. Has probably twenty big TVs in it. It's like a bar, and they serve lunch for us prior to every game. Former players only, and and wives. I mean, that that is provided for us. Also, my daughter has her degree from the University of Alabama and was paid for partially by a Paul Bryant scholarship. He set that up during the Pat Trammell years in the early 60s. And the only criterion was to maintain a C average and be a former player of his. And you went on a Bryant scholarship. Again, I had, you know, I had heard I had heard that story. And that that may be the greatest legacy that that he left. Without question, without question. I, I have a hard time even communicating that to people because of what that meant. I mean, you, you talk about a lot of people paid lip service to we treat our players well, but those three things alone are absolutely incredible. Now, the next thing that separated him, I think, Jack, and, and again, I'm, I try to do I'm, I've tried to to put this in into sort of what you do for a living or what you do with your leadership and the things that I learned from Coach Bryant that will help you going forward and the things that you're trying to teach the people in your program. He would love to have for you to believe that he was that old farmer redneck from Marabotham, Arkansas. But I'm going to tell you, his professionalism and his correspondence and attention to detail in his correspondence throughout his career was staggering. I have, he never failed to write me a letter. He always wanted us to know, hey, if you change jobs, have a child, get married or something, always drop him a note. Within five days, I'd get a response from him personally. I have two letters in my file dated, this is hard to believe really. <clears throat> One's dated 12-9-1982, and one is dated 12-21-1982. He coached his last game on 12-29-1982. Mm. And I'm wow. I was I was a I was a nobody. And still to his last days, he corresponded. You know Ralph Friedgen. <clears throat> Ralph Friedgen yeah. coached and he told me this story. He said he read when he graduated from Maryland, he wrote every Division one college football coach in the country and asked for a job as a graduate assistant. He got one response. <laughs> really? Paul Bryant. The, the one that you at least expect. Exactly. And he got that. It's amazing. Okay. Let, and, and now we move on to stories that are really amazing to me that I, that, that I experienced as a game experience, besides the fact that Records are a bit murky, but I think I still hold the NCAA record for the quickest uh, fair catch signal. Um, <laughs> my, so my sophomore year, uh, Henry Thunderfoot Weaver was the punter for Tennessee, and I watched him in the warmups. And I, I, I signal for a fair catch on the snap, you know, <laughs> before you. <laughs> so, uh, you knew what was wait. You knew what was waiting you when it finally oh, yeah. came down. Hey, he, he, I saw him kick it over the press box during the warmups. But anyway, there are many, many stories about some of the former players, and one of the great memories that you have there as a former player at Alabama 
and things that you take for granted, in, you know, in the summertime, when we would go out and pitch and catch, play three-on-three, three, run routes and things like that. Well, we go out there in the summer, we're pitching and catching with Steve Sloan, Kenny Stabler, Joe Namath, <laughs> who was usually there rehabilitating his knees. And as an 18-, 20-year-old kid, you don't even think about things like that. Oh, yeah. But that's – it's incredible. And, of course, there's Brian Kenny off the team uh, his junior year. And uh, the old hard-nosed discipline, Coach Bryant, the next year, he was still off the team. And uh, we were playing Florida State, and we hadn't scored, and he didn't start, Kenny. And the middle of the first quarter, we're down 14 nothing, hadn't made a first down. I heard him go down there to the offensive coordinator and pat him in the back and said, I think old Steve learned his lesson. Let's get him in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that, that, that was – just so happened to turn that that, that uh, suspension right at the end. Oh, of yeah, the, uh, he, he brought course. that. Yeah, he brought that suspension to a term term uh, pretty quick. But again, another story about Kenny Stabler has so many stories about him and so many negative things that were said. But one of the things I'll never forget as long as I live is during the hundred um, year anniversary of Alabama football. There are probably twenty thousand people on the quad, and I introduced my ten year old son to Kenny. And I'm telling you, Jack, he got down on his knee in my son's face. And for 10 minutes, the most quality, one-on-one time, most generous thing I've ever seen anybody do. That's impressive. Yes. With all the people there who wanted to take a piece of him, he spent time with my son for 10 minutes. That meant something to me. 25 years later, when Kenny died, my son called me. Mm. That tells you how much it meant to him. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Those are the kinds of things, the attention to detail and and the, the, the things that you do that separate you professionally and personally from other people. You do things and make people feel important and really make them feel important. Don't walk around with a sign to say, make me feel important, but you listen and you engage and you talk, even if you're very important. But anyway, that's, you know, Mike, you, uh, you mentioned about coach Bryant never raising his voice in pregame or, or halftime. And another name of the past for you youngsters to look up, Bobby Dodd was a legendary coach at Georgia tech and he had retired um, right after he recruited my recruiting class, I think it might have had something to do with him signing me, but he was still the athletic director and our head coach, my sophomore year, the first year I was eligible, asked him to do the pregame talk. And to this day, I have no idea what he said, but I knew we had just won the game <laughs> before it started, before it started, just because, you know, the confidence that he had. Well, I want to I want to get something personal with you. I, I think you still hold the shortest pro career in the history of NFL. Is that correct? Yes, it, yes, it is. It, the, my professional football career lasted four point eight seconds, which was the time it took for that coach from Dallas to find me in a 40 yard dash. <laughs> At the end of that, he said, son, you ever thought about coaching? <laughs> he said, you have plenty of time to think about it while you're running this 40. You know, I said, well, I <laughs> they, they got defensive but, linemen that run better than the 4'8 now, and, and you were a defensive nope. back. Exactly. No question. Well, you were um, 
this may be unique at all schools. I know it is at Alabama. You were the third, I believe, the third generation of deans that played at Alabama. Share that story and be honest with us. Which of the three was the best athlete? Well, obviously, I was the best athlete, but uh, that is a true statement. Uh, my my great grandfather lived to be 105 years old, and he lived to see three full generations of, of, of his children play ball at Alabama. His son, his grandson, and me, his great grandson. Now they they didn't have the same dean last name, but they were from you know daughters right. and or married name. But he lived to see fully three full generations play football at Alabama. Uh, Howard Chapel played with Coach Bryant in the 30s. Um, Bobby Duke played with Mark uh, uh, Starr in the 50s, and then I played in the 60s, which is really quite a remarkable story. And he, I'm you, he lived to be 105 years old, Jack. They put a pacemaker in his heart when he was 101. And uh, <laughs> I mean, they knew he wasn't was, through, right? Yeah, it, it was absolutely amazing. And you know, another thing back to the tying back to the story of professionalism. On his 100th birthday, he got a birthday card from Gross Bryant, and he got a birthday card every birthday after that from Gross Bryant. Mm. Pretty impressive. You you know, you had a a coach for roughly 13 years, I believe, and and two of the schools there were Georgia Tech and and Rice, and neither one of those teams at that point in time set the world on fire as I had as a similar experience at the University of Virginia. But one of the reasons that that might have happened in your case is you coached against some some pretty legends of their time. One pretty familiar here in Georgia right now, Herschel Walker, uh, Bo Jackson at Auburn, Billy Sims at Oklahoma, and Earl Campbell at Texas. Those are four uh, All-American Hall of Fame running backs. You got any interesting stories about playing against those guys? Yeah, I, the, the one of the, I think the funny story is like you had at Virginia. We were coming off the field, at, and I was the defense coordinator at Oklahoma, and, and – and, uh, Oklahoma was ahead, whatever they wanted the score to beat enough. And and uh, our head coach came in and said, well, Barry Switzer stopped me. And he said, if you, you know, he promised he wouldn't throw it in the second half. And I said, Ray, <laughs> have, you <looked> at the, <laughs> have you looked at the charts? You know, they hadn't thrown it yet. I mean, I'm not sure what kind of good break that is. But, um, yeah, I, I, those four players are just phenomenal. Obviously, their reputations are, probably, you know, uh, Bo Jackson's the best athlete I've ever seen. Uh, I, I, you know, to to have somebody play professional ba- baseball and and to play professional football is amazing enough. Be an MVP in the All Star game and and an All Pro in football. It's incredible what Bo Jackson did. Herschel Walker obviously was a very very fast and very strong uh, player. Billy Sims was a great running back, but I, I of the four. The one I'd take to start my team would be the the Rose from Texas, uh, Earl Campbell, the best football player I've ever been around. He was like a man playing among children. He really was. But it was a great honor to wish I'd been on the other side. But <laughs> well, you you heard my story. I won't give the the long version. But we played them at Virginia when they won the national championship when he was at Texas, and yes. uh, we helped them earn that job, a, a title of national champion. But in the first quarter, it was twenty eight to nothing, and Earl Campbell had scored four touchdowns, rushed for one hundred and twenty four yards in the first quarter, and had to leave the game with heat exhaustion and leg cramps. We ran him out of the game in the first quarter. Uh, didn't have to deal with him. <laughs> anymore yeah 
We we did that same thing to uh, Archie Manning in Birmingham uh, many years later <laughs> in the 33-32 game. I mean, it was unbelievable. So, you know, uh, yeah, Earl, Jackson. Earl, I'll never forget Earl Campbell. When Bo, I heard the story about Bo Jackson, that one of the baseball scouts wanted to see him playing a game, and he got down there ahead the wrong time for the start of the game, and uh, the game was already over. Um, when he got there and he really wanted to, to see, you know, him perform and the coach says, well, I, we can, we can let him hit, hit some balls in the cage. So they set up the cage for him and, uh, he hit three balls, um, and broke the cage, knocked it completely down. And the scout said, I think I've seen enough. <laughs> I think I have seen enough. I agree. Unbelievable. I sat in the booth over when, when Bo, after he had his, surgery, hip replacement, right in, the, in the booth over there when he was making his comeback with with the White Sox. Right. And Dr. Andrews, who was who did not perform the surgery, but he was in there when the surgery was done. Bo is making a comeback now with an artificial hip. He tops the ball, runs 3-2 to first base, steals second base, dives in the outfield, makes a catch. And I said, Dr. Andrews, that's incredible. How, how long is that hip going to last? He said, I ain't got a clue. <laughs> we could <laughs> hip for people to walk, not to run three, two to first base, you know. So I both. He, he was something. He well, you had, a, you had a chance to finish up coaching with uh, Homer Rice, who is a, another legend. Uh, I think it was Homer's last um, coaching time he'd coached the pros in college and he was at rice at the time uh no relation to the name there uh but he later became probably the most successful and innovative athletic director in the history of college athletics anything that you learned from your time with homer that kind of helped you as you went on later on in your career yeah he, homer would disagree with that he said he went to rice because they promised to name the stadium after him i don't think there's any truth <laughs> in that, but uh he uh yeah, I think as you know, and 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 I don't I don't know that you have based your ideals program on his total person. Kind of, I wouldn't say that you that there's anything there, but but the principles of success, just like I mentioned with Coach Bryant and and with Homer, his 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 attention to the players and to their physical, mental, spiritual, and even financial. We had meetings all the time about how you become a total contributing citizen to society. And that's what Homer did. And and he was very passionate about that. Besides coaching four, you know, NCAA passing champions, <laughs> we had a quarterback at Rice who was a consensus All-American named Tommy Kramer on a three and eight team. Can you imagine that? Oh, yeah. Uh, it threw, it, and, and so Homer's passing thing. He actually, his last coaching job was at Cincinnati. He he left Rice and went, and Paul Brown hired him with the Cincinnati Bengals, and that's then he went on to uh, to the administration. But Homer was a special, special person and a very, very great human being. And and I was very a little funny coming from Coach Bryant and and Homer. Our coaching philosophies were a little different. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they, he he Homer liked to have the ball so that we could score more points and get more yards. And Coach Bryant was a little bit, you know, play defense and kicking game. But anyway, other than that, he was a absolute honor for me to have been associated with Homer, and uh, I love him today. 
Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to give him a call, and when we do release this, uh, get him to listen in to hear these these words from you. I, Homer has been a friend of mine, and uh, in fact, I'll I'll never forget we had breakfast several years ago, uh, probably five years ago, and his wife was in a nursing home and and was basically um, didn't recognize anybody. And Homer went over there every day, I think, from like ten to two. Uh, and somebody asked him, why are you why are you going over there? She doesn't even know who you are. And he says, but I know who she is. You bet. That's, that was Homer Rice. Well, listen, exactly. now that you're no longer in sales and getting up at the crack of noon, what, what are you how are you spending your time? Well, I, Junk, I try to get as busy as I can. I've been retired that long, uh, and I'm trying to still figure it out. As, as, as like you, I've done many things in my life. I'm not sure what I'm going to do when I grow up. But I try to do, you know, some reading and 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 a little bit of writing. And and uh, it, it, this is a great break for me. I, I really have enjoyed doing this. Um, but I try to play a little golf, uh, my hip. I got to go get my hip uh, looked at here. Unfortunately, when you get my age, you things start falling apart. But uh, uh, spend time with, with my dear bride of 50 years and um, my four grandchildren, which are absolutely the pleasures of my life. Well, I can relate to that. Well, listen, Mike, I want to thank you uh, so much uh, for being with us today. I, I look forward to, to talking with you. I always enjoy our time together and, and the stories that we kind of share back and forth and, and something they seem to get better and better. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure how factual they become after time. I know. I, I had to get on a guy the other day and kept introducing me as a, a All-American. I, I was going to be a Hausman Trophy candidate, you know, pretty soon. I, well, said, I, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody introduced me uh, similar like that, and I didn't contradict him. I let him keep talking. But uh, we're taping this. At, we're taping this at one o'clock. So I apologize for getting you up so early in the day. I understand. Uh, I know. I know when you were in sales, you didn't get up before noon. I understand. Keep it on. Keep pumping out. I, I understand the needle. I, I, I do appreciate you being with us, and I appreciate your friendship. Well, thank you. Same here, buddy. Always. Well, as we wrap up another Knowledge Cast episode, a special thanks to, to each of you for making us part of your day. And I hope that uh, you'll join us again next week for another interesting guest like Mike. And until then, make it your goal this week to be a positive influence in the lives of others.